Hurry up, your favorite show's about to start. Grab a Capri Sun, some Dunkaroos, and settle in for another episode of The Millennial Movie Club. Welcome back, everyone, to The Millennial Movie Club Podcast. I'm Jazz Zapatos, and my first ever screen name was pretty okay. It was Yo Jazzy Girl 21. But shortly after that, my next screen name was NYPD Blue Babe. Oh. Because, <laughs> not because of the TV show NYPD Blue, but because I had a blue <laughs> NYPD sweatshirt from a trip to New York that I wore every day at school because my arms were so embarrassingly hairy that I always had a sweatshirt on, even in the South Florida sunshine. So, whoa, just a sweaty NYPD blue babe. I'm glad to be here with you, NYPD blue babe, or whatever your name is. Um, <laughs> my name is Dan, and my screen name when I was uh, when I first got on AOL, I obviously wasn't an adult because my dad made my screen name for for me, and he made it Dan eight one nine eight nine which is my mom's birthday because he forgot my birthday. And it's still my screen name. It's my username for everything. <laughs> your name and your mom's birthday? <laughs> oh, thanks. Thank you, Jeff Levine, thanks, Jeff. for oh. <laughs> the gift that kept on giving. <laughs> it's, it's every one of my usernames. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know if I can top yours, Jazz, but mine, because I really liked stars, was Starkiss8. But what does that sound nice. like? The tuna. The fucking yes, tuna. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> so here I am in chat rooms talking shit. <laughs> and I'm a fucking tuna. Wow, I'm tuna. I love that. Wow. wow yeah, wow, me wow. too. I guess we should reveal the true identity of Stark. <laughs> Not a representative of any tuna company. We have on the pod tonight, Jamie Jackson. Woo! Welcome, Jamie. So excited Welcome to, to the be Millennial here. Movie Club. Welcome. Jamie is a self-proclaimed chief meme officer. I love that. Uh, she runs the account <laughs> Millennial Misery, which is just my fucking favorite corner of the internet, as well as humorous so resources. She's created a safe place for millennials to submerge themselves in nostalgia and for work professionals to laugh at memes about their corporate professional lives, which is basically all we ever want to laugh at these days. Her accounts are for amazing. Real. And I love her. And she's here on the pod, you guys. Yay. Yay. So excited. Yay. And I got a good movie. Yeah, I got a great one. I you got, got a, a great movie. one. And I have to say, <laughs> embarrassing for me, Dan always coming in the clutch. So... I texted him before I sat down to watch the movie and take notes. And I was like, great. Can't wait to watch Sleepless in Seattle. And he was like, that's not the movie we're doing. Like, I literally was about to show up to this recording, prepare for the completely wrong movie. That kind of would have been awesome, though. I think it would have been totally fine. <laughs> yeah, we probably wouldn't have known the difference. Oh, my God. It would have been a, actually a really interesting if if two people were talking about You've Got Mail and one person was talking about Sleep in Seattle and somehow it just kind of worked. Like, yeah, it she'd fun. be like, wait, where's the dead wife? Right. <laughs> like, no, no, it's a creepy stepmom. It's different. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. So as you might have, have guessed, we are talking today about You've Got Mail. On that note, please send us all of your weird old AOL screen names we would love to yes. hear that oh that'd be a good promo for millennial misery for this episode Ooh, yeah let's, let's go go now yeah now we have like the most strategic social media person helping us out for this episode <laughs> this episode will get the most listens <laughs> out of any of them mostly because it's so good but yeah i'm really glad i watched it i loved it and i hated it which is a very unique feeling same it's funny because i actually my mom was obsessed with sleepless in seattle so i kind of had meshed the two together as well yeah. so re-watching it i was like oh okay no there's no yeah. dead wife in this there there's not a little kid yeah. like but seriously because them two together is just you know tom hanks and miss meg yes that's all you see that's all you see 
Yeah. And hey, yeah. I mean, they're good at what they do. But I will say as far as the 90s were concerned, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan were like the rom-com duo to be seen. I had to Google because I knew that You Got Mail came after, but I want to know how soon. It's They're only five years apart. Yeah. They yeah. saw the box office dollars and they were like, let's mm-hmm. go again. Cha-ching. Nora Ephron was just like, run it back. In my opinion, this is better than Sleepless in Seattle, even though it's also worse. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I love Sleepless in Seattle. We'll have to do Sleepless in Seattle at some point. I will come back for Sleepless yes, in Seattle. Yes, perfect. Return. That's a great yes. idea. We, Jamie has to be on every episode and every movie that stars Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. <laughs> well, we, or either one. I was, yeah, I was just gonna say it might just be two and two, but that's okay. Well, no, then they were in then they were in Joe and the Volcano together. But that was oh even my, before. Yeah, that was way. I, think. I don't even know that. God, I, yeah, that movie is a fucking fever dream i watched it recently and it is weird as shit shall we set the scene absolutely please yes struggling boutique bookseller kathleen kelly hates joe fox the owner of a corporate fox books chain store that just moved in across the street when they meet online however they begin an intense and anonymous internet romance oblivious of each other's true identity Eventually, Joe learns that the enchanting woman he's involved with is actually his business rival. He must now struggle to reconcile his real-life dislike for her with the cyber love he's come to feel. Yes. (laughs) Cyber love sounds like a song that should have been around in the 90s. Ooh, I love that. Off like the Xenon Girl of the 21st Century soundtrack. (laughs) Yeah, and just some like uh, cast and crew notes. The director was Nora Ephron. And the screenplay was Nora Ephron and Della Ephron. I hope I'm saying her name right, but her younger sister. And they had parents that were also screenwriters and playwrights. It was based on this play called Par- Parfumery. You got to do it with a French accent. What are you doing, man? I can't do that. Butchering the Can- language. Parfumery. <laughs> Parfumery. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a seizure? <laughs> I just like took out most of the sounds of it and hoped that for, for the best. <laughs> Yeah, just remove the consonant. (laughs) (laughs) You know French. You know French. (laughs) That's true. You're you're Duolingo in Spanish. I'm in French, so I would have crushed that. Really taken that. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Nora Ephron just has a pretty wild life. She interned for JFK, then she applied to be a writer at Newsweek, and they said they don't hire women writers. And so she accepted a position as a male girl. She left and sued them for sexual discrimination. Bad bitch. Yeah. Good for you, Nora. That makes my little HR heart happy. That makes this movie even worse. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> for for but sure. But also, like, this makes this movie make less sense to me. Right. Which we'll get into. Okay. But well, then she wrote for The Post for five years. She wrote a column for Esquire about women's issues, which, again, is what we're talking about. She married Carl Bernstein, so of the Watergate scandal, like Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward. They wrote, rewrote All the President's Men, and it wasn't used but it got her first screenwriting job then she wrote when harry met sally she got an oscar nom for best writing screenplay written directly for the screen and she directed and wrote sleepless in seattle you got mailed julie and julia a couple movies but she is i think responsible for a lot of the feels of the 90s to me rom-com feels my mind is blown at this woman's life right now yeah wildlife it's crazy to me to think that like Somebody who worked for JFK and wrote You've Got Mail were like in the same lifetime. Same yeah, right. Lifetime. Yeah. That's pretty wild. It's wild. And Watergate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <what>? right. <laughs> it's blowing my mind. Everything's just time is a flat circle. Released in December 18th, 1998 uh, with a budget of 65 million bucks. It made $250 million worldwide. So it crushed. Um, it debuted on number one in North America which makes me happy that it was such a success. I wonder if it was because people were like, I'd love to see Sleepless in Seattle again. I am for certain that's why my mother dragged me to the theater to see this. I was like in my teenage years by 98. So like I was not going to the movie theater with my mother. But I specifically (laughs) remember her being like, no, no, we are going to this movie. And I was like, okay. Wow. Required reading. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I 
love that. The cast is kind of big, so I'll try to just run through it as fast as possible. You got Tom Hanks as Joe Fox. We know him from every big Turner and Hooch, Sleeps in Seattle, Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Toy Story. We got Meg Ryan as Kathleen Kelly. She's in Top Gun, When Harry Met Sally, Sleeps in Seattle as well, City of Angels. Parker Posey as Patricia Eden in Dazed and Confused and Best in Show. The one person that was it surprised me was Jean Stapleton as Birdie. She was Edith, wife of Archie Bunker and all, all in the family. I didn't recognize that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've got Dave Chappelle as Kevin. And when I was looking at his his IMDb, I was like, wow, I, I didn't realize how much of an actor he is. Like Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Nutty Professor, Con Air, Half-Baked, Chappelle Show. You know, you think of him kind of just as a comedian, but he had a lot of stuff. And I thought he did a great job. Yeah, I completely forgot he was even in this movie. Yeah. Fun fact, he was offered the role of Bubba in Forrest Gump and turned it down because he read the script and didn't think it was going to do well. What? So when they offered him to play opposite Tom Hanks again, he was like, fuck yeah, let's go. Wow. Yeah, right. I missed the train the first time. Wait, that's another thing like that that could have possibly happened. Um, And then I just have two more. This is a big popular cast. We got Steve Zahn as George. I love Steve Zahn. Reality Bite, Saving Silverman. And I don't know if both of you are White Lotus fans, but he's so great in White Lotus. And then Greg Kinnear as Frank Navasky, as good as it gets, Little Miss Sunshine stuck on you. I was just listening to a podcast where they were talking about Greg Kinnear and they were saying one of their friends said that their number one is Greg Kinnear. Out of all the men in the whole world, I had no idea that that was an option. It wouldn't be my personal option, never but he is that. a sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, who is your f- number one then? Oh God, I don't know. Tom Hanks. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Chaz, do you have yours? Um, yeah, John Krasinski. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, like the glow up of John Krasinski has just been like the way he looked when he was younger, kind of like you know doofy is like you yes. know old old school office haircut. That would have been my type in high school, which I was in yes. high school. And now as he's grown, he's like fucking bearded and ripped and. God damn, like if his wife wasn't such a goddess, I would be more mad, but they're just yeah. a power couple. Yeah, good good call. Dan, what's your number one besides every mom in every movie ever made? Yeah, I, I was going to say <laughs> like a Pacha's wife in Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got to be Emma Watson, I think, for me. Oh, right. Okay, I thought of one. I feel a little PDO saying it. He's 10 years younger than me. Oh, I'm really curious. A little dirty saying this, but it's it's Nick Jonas. Oh, Ooh. awesome. He's 10 years younger than me. That's okay. Listen, He's a man. That's but mama fine. would. Yeah. <laughs> and You're you know good he there. likes older women. Uh, yep, because I think his wife is close to my age. Oh, I didn't know that. Priyanka. Okay, so you're good, yeah. Right, and that's sweet spot, <laughs> that's mama. Wild. You good. <laughs> I love that. I feel like I should sprinkle in a couple fun facts. So as you mentioned before, Dan, it is based on a Hungarian play that was written in 1936 called Parfumere, was written by, oh man, Miklos Laszlo. It's about two bickering co-workers at a Budapest gift shop who don't realize that they're pen pals. But we know where the shop around the corner comes from. Exactly. I always know when a movie is an, another iteration of a story because everyone on Amazon is so mad at it. It's like, why didn't you just leave it alone? <laughs> it's like, get over it. I'm guessing that we have some of those that you want to share. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Speaking of angry people on Amazon, honestly, yeah, let's just dive into the reviews. So it's and it's mixed like the like sort of like last time the reviewers liked it and the general public for the most part like it, but some people really did not. So starting with Ruth Stein of the San Francisco Chronicle, she writes, every time you've got mail is about to choke on its own cleverness, it's resuscitated by its extremely likable, oh heck, let's just call them lovable stars. Yeah, not far (laughs) from the truth. Yeah, that's right. That's accurate. Without such likable leads, I fear people would pay attention way more to some of the shit in this movie. Yeah, the shitty storyline. And also the like over the top clever dialogue. It works because you like are in that environment, but that's not how people talk. No, no. But like Meg Ryan has always been like a little bit cartoony. Another like total manic pixie dream girl vibe totally. of the 90s i love meg ryan and her haircut was to match oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was pixie and manic totally <laughs> <laughs> our good friend raj ebert these are always my favorite <laughs> yeah this is my favorite oh, too. this one does not disappoint <laughs> trust me so he gave it three out of four stars 
He writes, the appeal of You've Got Mail is as old as love and as new as the web. It stars Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan as immensely lovable people whose purpose it is to display their lovability for two hours while we desperately yearn for them to solve their problems, fall into each other's arms, and get down to the old rumpy pumpy. What? <laughs> rumpy, rumpy pumpy? pumpy? I don't want to think about Roger Ebert and pumping anything. Or okay. rumping. What is that? <laughs> pumping into your rump, you know. Oh. Is that anal? Yeah, I think he's talking. <laughs> I mean, I Raj, think he's probably just talking about dog. sex, but yeah, I mean, I didn't know him. In his later years as a dirty grandpa, he must have written this review. Yes. I'm kind of speechless at that, to be completely honest. I don't even. Me too. I uh, know. And now, of course, we have a very angry review from Amazon, which, yes. to be honest, I don't altogether disagree mm. with. Here we go. It's titled More Nora Ephron Cynicism Disguised as Sentiment. Watching Nora Ephron movies is a trip in the way back machine to the, aka time machine, <laughs> to the 1940s when assertive career-minded female film characters either one, held onto their careers and lost the guy, or two, dumped the career and won the guy. No other option existed. Think women have made progress since then? You've Got Mail may be all dressed up in Technicolor and tricked up with a relentless pop score, but it's the same old story. Meg Ryan's bookstore owner has a dream, and that dream is smashed to bits by mega-chain-owning Tom Hanks when she finally realizes he's the same guy she's fallen in love with online and off. Instead of punching him in the mouth, she cries and they embrace. Now she can go home and forget all about that silly bookstore. Just in case Ryan might have been tempted to hang on to her dream, she has Parker Posey playing Tom Hanks' fiance as a cautionary tale. Posey's character is a nasty, career-obsessed shrew whose sole plot function is to lose Hanks to Ryan. This is retro anti-feminism at its worst, and it's difficult to understand coming from a woman whose mother, Phoebe, was a respected Hollywood screenwriter in her uh. own right. And Efron herself is a dedicated career writer who undoubtedly would spit in the face of anyone who trashed her career. So why does she write Meg Ryan into a world where the work-related dreams of women count for nothing? Yeesh. That might be like the most well-written review I've ever pulled yeah. on Amazon, and I could not, I mean, there was a lot of like, they say God it too much, right. and a lot of like, they're sin. They're cheating, and it's sinful. You know, there's all the Jesus, all the Jesus people on Amazon. But this yeah. one, I was like, I can't not read it because it's scathingly accurate. It is. I mean, we literally just went over her life story and how amazing this woman was, and then she writes yeah. this. I, I personally Oof. could was shocked at the ending of this film. I keep forgetting you've never seen it before. This is so great. I feel like after I read that review, it should be like a glass shattering sound effect. Like I just ruined the film for everyone listening. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's going to be weird because I love this movie and now I feel really conflicted about like just going to bat for it the whole I time. I still feel conflicted because I enjoyed it the whole time and I still was like, I, it was like such a like a yummy fall film. I like am in New York oh, City yeah. in the fall and she's like, oh and yeah, she's like, don't you love New York City in the fall? And I'm like, oh, I do, you guys. And I have really mixed emotions. This movie makes me want to live in New York in the fall more than any well all when Harry met Sally like all all those so anyway those are all my reviews I, <laughs> we get, are we okay <laughs> I don't know man I mean I kind of feel guilty for liking this movie <laughs> now <laughs> Karen got to me I'm not gonna lie yeah uh anywho uh before we start thinking too hard shall we dive into the plot <laughs> yes yeah, let's just please. not think about it feel guilty. <laughs> we open on the sounds of typing and an old school dial-up noise and can i just say it gave me like full body goosebumps to hear that sound yes. yeah <laughs> take me, me back it's a very visceral we are on a tour through a very old computer into a 3d mock-up of new york city and it was just... This didn't hold up so well. No, no, no it was so bit. cute. <laughs> Where you're just like, you know at the time, it's like, ooh, sophisticated, height of technology. And right. now it's like... <laughs> it's like the Louvre scene from the Mary-Kate and Ashley's yes. Passport to Paris. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> I was thinking just specifically about that like dial-up sound. I forgot to look this up, but like... Did they need to make it sound like that? Why did they make it sound so awful? Like, why did the dial-up sound sound terrible? Like, <laughs> it's like, what? You could have made it like a... Yeah. Like someone playing bad. piano. Yeah. It's like a feral cat. Truly. Yeah. <laughs> That's been hit by a car. But it did bring us back, yeah. so... In its last dying breath, it's like, <gasps> yeah. you got mail. And then it dies. <laughs> 
Oh, I do have a little, not a fun fact about this movie, but I remember, did any, did, when you had AOL, did you ever like switch the audio for the You've Got Mail? I used to have like Paul McCartney say like, you've got some letters and like, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> oh my God. Is so great. I, I switched it to the that. movie phone guy. Wow. I feel like a fucking nerd. <laughs> On AOL, I eventually turned my incoming sound like, so every time I got a new chat to Big Pimpin, so it would go doot. Do, 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 awesome. do, do, every single time. And I don't love that song as much as I should. No. Yeah. Right. That's a really right. good fucking song, too. I thought I was really hard because I did like a guitar from a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. Oh, it was like, do, 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 you know, like, and I was like, I'm so alt. Very so alt. So fringe. <laughs> so, needless to say. <laughs> it's a cringy start to this movie. But we cruise along through this 3D mock-up of New York City into the window of a very nice New York apartment, I might add, for somebody who owns a children's bookstore, where we see a sleeping Mag Ryan. She is abruptly woken from her sleep by her boyfriend, who is very distressed over an article claiming that the entire workforce in Virginia had to have solitaire removed from their computers because they haven't gotten any work done in six weeks. P.S. Fun fact that is actually based on fact so in december of 1994 governor george allen of virginia did in fact order that all video games specifically minesweeper hearts and solitaire be removed from all state computers because of a concern that the state employees were playing these games and wasting taxpayer dollars i wonder (laughs) if you could possibly even talk to someone from that time and try to explain to them how disruptive TikTok is going to be. Right. Like, you think that was a distraction? Like, you don't even want to see my usage. You do not. You don't. It's so embarrassing. I can't even look at it for myself. If they thought, like, Minesweeper was addictive... Minesweeper isn't like learning your exact preferences for content and then like shooting it into your brain every second. Right. They're like, it is is what it is. (laughs) Solitaire (laughs) is what it is. And we're not even going to like do it kind of like like a slot machine where it's like sometimes you win just to keep you coming back. Like we didn't have that technology back then. Now (laughs) they're like, we know you're into fucking cute babies and kink <laughs> like we, we tiktok knows you slash yeah. me <laughs> that nick jonas is babies and kinks wrapped into one yeah. <laughs> hey so so yeah so this is based on fact and it's clear that the bf is not a fan of technology i just wrote if you don't like it now you might as well honestly kill yourself yeah <laughs> it was funny though because like that's like the first five minutes of the movie and i'm like oh wow yeah so he leaves for work. She goes to length to make sure he's really yeah. gone in this very sketchy way before logging onto her America Online. Turns out she's got a secret pen pal, the one and only Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. she's so cute and he's so endearing. But I'm like, oh, this is like the beginnings of people cheating on their spouses on the internet. This is like the humble beginnings. Made me yeah. feel a little sick to my stomach. Because they just both go into that over 30s chat room like, what did you expect to happen? You went in there looking for someone, yeah. right? I mean, me seeing this at like a pretty young age, I don't remember right. thinking it was problematic. Yeah. And watching it now, I was like, holy shit. They both have significant yeah. uh, they're yeah. both like living with people like, oh my <laughs> yeah having oh, like an online affair dick. and they don't but they don't no. present the gravity of it really like they really yeah. turn an internet affair <laughs> into whipped cream for this movie yeah totally <laughs> it's I mean, wild i want to i want to lick it yeah but. it's delicious but it is totally. like but it's a lot lighter than what it actually is which is <laughs> totally <laughs> Yeah. So, and honestly, probably gave a lot of people some yeah. naughty ideas back then when it like was, this was just a thing. This For was sure. just starting out. So yeah, we yeah, uh, permission cut to Tom to Hanks' apartment. He's got his cute dog and he's living with the very rushed and very busy Parker Posey. I wrote the dreamy music in New York fall backdrop over what is so sketchy makes me literally guffaw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually horrified. 
So they don't know each other's name or what they look like, which is pretty ballsy. And in fact, they're both living on the Upper West Side of New York, passing each other in the streets, and they have no idea. I love it. It's so cute when you see them like just miss one another in so many different ways. I love that. This movie has a way of making you love it, even though it's kind of fucked up, but it is just dreamy. The writing is so good in this movie. It's like he's typing. He's like, don't you love New York in the fall? It makes me want to buy school supplies. I would send you a bouquet of newly sharpened pencils if I knew your name and address. Uh, yeah. You're like, wow, that is so like cutesy, but still great. Yeah, know. that line. I mean, they're both very dreamy, good writers. And so we follow Tom Hanks to work and just, yeah, LOL. Dave Chappelle being in this movie, like he feels so out of place standing next to Tom Hanks talking about crack houses. Yeah, it's so strange. <laughs> I loved him in it. He was great, but they work together. They're talking about this building they're constructing and how the Upper West Side is going to hate them. And I was like, man, what is it? Like big tech? Like it's got to be something fucking horrible. And it was, and I was like, oh, it's a bookstore. Which is the saddest. <laughs> Essentially, they're building a Barnes and Noble. And now we're trying to save the Barnes and Nobles. It, yeah. That's what was so great about watching this because just the irony of now Borders is closed and Barnes and Nobles is on its way right. out. And just to see that they put her out of business and then. Right. I mean, I remember growing up where like my mom is a huge proponent of small business, small bookstores, this and that. And be like, no, you can't go to Barnes and Noble. You're going to give like the evil big corporation all your money. And just like you're saying, it's like they're dying, babe. (laughs) Every time I'm in New York, I go to the flagship store and buy books. But now I'm like, I thought I was doing something good. And I'm really just shutting down (laughs) other bookstores. But can we talk about that sketchy ass Fox? fucking sketchy that fox has a secret okay yeah could we have not paid a little bit more for a better artist on the fox because i know what that fox said <laughs> but ding, 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 ding. yeah um that fox i mean i had just gotten that out of my head for the first time in like so 10, sorry. For 10 years because literally it's 10 years old I mean, the secret is, I guess, is that it's like a horrible corporation run by generations of rich white dudes who can't hold down relationships and are actually trying to put bookstores out of business. Dave Chappelle's like, oh, so did you get engaged? And he was like, no. You know what I kept thinking the whole time? I don't know why for this time specifically, but I was like, Tom, aren't you going to ask Dave any questions about his own life? Like, he's so involved in your life. Like, why don't you be a better friend? We don't know anything about him. <laughs> he's the token black guy of the movie. And just like, like in Not Another Teen Movie. He's got his movie, own life. Yeah. yeah it's not Another Teen Movie. And again, I bring up Not Another Teen Movie on every episode because it is the most so truthful good. movie ever made. And it's the same, like the token black character who's like, oh, no, I'm not important to the plot. I'm just here to say things like, that's whack. Right. <laughs> that's literally Dave Chappelle's character in this. It's unfortunate. Yes. I mean, he truly is the definition of supporting. Yes, yeah. very much so. <laughs> it's like he's doing all this stuff, like going with him to his blind date and stuff. It's like, yeah, is he your he's assistant? Such a good like, yeah, like, what do <laughs> right. you do for him, you big jerk? <laughs> yeah, there's no. Yeah, I mean. This is not the first time Tom Hanks has been a bit one-sided in his relationships in this movie, so it doesn't really surprise me. Amen. Fun facts, Kathleen's shop around the corner was actually, uh, they filmed in a cheese and antique shop on the Upper West Side. The owner was sent on a vacation while her store was transformed into a doomed business. Years later, the real shop at West 69th and Columbus Avenue Closed down, and it is now an organic dry cleaner. <laughs> oh, that wasn't a fun fact. <laughs> so it met the same fate as its movie counter. The big bad organic dry cleaning conglomerate. <laughs> this bookstore is so, so charming. It reminded me so much of like the three either libraries or bookstores from my, my town. Even there, there was like a place in my library where you'd like pull open a shelf of books and there'd be a little reading room where kids would go and listen. It's so sweet. Yeah, no, they picked the perfect location. I bet it smelled like cheese. I mean, definitely. (laughs) Right? Gouda. (laughs) My stomach hurts, (laughs) but. I can't read in here. (laughs) The dairy, the leftover dairy. I'm like, too much. My tummy's getting upset. (laughs) That's so fucking funny. Just like, yeah, antique. Also, like, antiques and cheese. How fucking random. Yeah, what? Like, I'm going to go get a block of cheddar and a nightstand. Like, this cheese is so dusty. (laughs) I can't even tell whether it's a bad idea. 
Like it might be a really good it's idea. Right? Weird. That unless audience. it's like we, we sell like antique little plates and saucers to serve your cheese on or something. There we go. But like anyway, it's closed down, and maybe because cheese and antiques don't go together. There's like an old bench that you can like put mozzarella on or something. <laughs> Here's a creepy old doll to eat your cheese with. <laughs> it's aged cheese. Right, aged cheese. Yes. Oh, it's there are no antiques. It's just antique cheese. It's very old cheese. <laughs> oh, that's. What it is now? Right. Okay, we figured it out. They're in trouble because this big superstore is opening right on the corner of this quaint little bookshop. She confides in her employee about what's going. So she, oh, so she walks in and she's like clearly in love. She's on cloud nine because they're like quoting each other's emails and all this. And which, granted, like is basically the equivalent of like getting a text from somebody you like these days. You just like it's so easy to be like, who's texting you? But this is the equivalent of that with her coworker. Um, yeah, but it's weird. It wouldn't be like, oh, he just sent me you up. Right. <laughs> you know, like, there's no, no we do not there. get bouquets of pencils anymore. We get unsolicited no. pictures of their pencil dicks. That's all we get. <laughs> there <Yep>. we go. <laughs> bouquets of pencil dicks. <laughs> so uh, she confides in her coworker, and but she's like, but it's nothing. It's nothing. She's like, well, you haven't had cyber sex, right? It's just funny to think of it like that. Because sexting, we weren't texting, so we were. it was cyber sex. Right. But yeah, she's clearly in love with this internet stranger. We learned that Tom Hanks works for his father and grandfather for the Fox Corporation, who's trying to put all the indie bookstores out of business. Last shop on the list to put out of business is, of course, Meg's store, who was previously owned by her mother. It was owned by her mother, who used to flirt through letters with Tom's grandpa, which, like... I was really expecting that to be a bigger part. And I'll tell you why. Because I thought for most of the movie that Birdie was her mom. And her mom is actually dead. Well, no. Because I've seen this movie before. And I thought the exact same fucking thing. So Until like towards the end where they're like actually talking about her dead mother. And I was like, oh, shit. They really make it seem like Birdie's your mom. And then I was like, oh, Birdie and the grandpa are going to like get together. Same. Same. Which also makes me think like Bert, I mean, her mother, he's, the grandpa says it. He's like, she was a bit younger than me, but her letters were enchanting. And I'm like, yeah, she was a fucking lot younger than you, dude. Yeah. She was like 14, bro. Yeah. <laughs> she had just learned to no. write. Just add it, add it to the list of things we <laughs> should be upset about yeah. from this movie. So anyway, I really wanted them to have a little old person romance, but c'est la vie, not meant to be. But you know what? Meg isn't phased that they're opening on her block. You know, initially, she's just like, this is an opportunity. We'll be like the book district of the Upper West Side. Which I still think is viable. I think like, I, think so I would have thought the same thing. It's like, yeah, that you can get the other stuff there. You can get read to at this place. Exactly. I think these dates too, like we value the like mom and pop shop so much more over the superstore because we're so used to the superstore. They continue. <laughs> Meg's boyfriend is pushing typewriters on her. Why does he have so he's many? A weird one, that guy. Because <laughs> he's a Luddite and a weirdo. <laughs> it works because you want these cheating people to get together, you know, and fuck over their, their partners. But like it works because he's really not likable. Greg can hear it. Like, yeah, and they totally made Parker Posey and Greg not likable for that reason because they yeah. don't want you to feel icky. It's weird. Like, I didn't think that before maybe like the end when Parker Posey's in that elevator, I didn't really not like her. Like, I thought she was okay. Yeah, she gets progressively unlikable. And Greg Kinnear, he's kind of a putz yeah. and like self-centered. But then he gets progressively worse too. He's not terrible. He's right. like on TV shows openly flirting with the host. Yes. This line really got to me. So, you know, they're they're still emailing back and forth and just little bits about their day, but they're not revealing any personal issues, you know, any personal details about their life. And Meg Ryan says, I lead a small life. Do I do it because I like it or because I haven't been brave? And I was like, oh, Oof. that cut me to the bone. <laughs> I host a podcast, so I'm like, I think I'm fine. But <laughs> man, I've definitely felt that. I've definitely felt that at different points in my life. And she really like, I think she has the hang up of, am I just, is this my life? Because I feel the need to like carry on my mother's legacy. And I've never really given myself an option to do anything else. Right. Which again, if they really wanted us to forgive more of this movie, I feel like they could have dug into that a bit more where she's like, you know what? 
I actually like, I've always wanted to travel the world and I've been kind of bound by this bookshop, you know, for my mother, but now I can be be free. Yeah. yeah. But they just didn't, they did not go mm-hmm. there. They're already trying to do a lot. I don't know. I don't know if I, I even want to like get into that. Cause it's like, Oh yeah. There's really? a whole character that was cut from the movie. Oh really? Yeah. Tom Hanks' dad is getting married again to a young woman. He already has a four-year-old with her, and which I thought he had two little kids. We see these two little kids run up to Tom Hanks. He's going to take him out for a day on the boat. I was like, oh, they're his step-sibling or his half-siblings. That's so cute. Turns out the girl, who's probably like nine, is actually his grandfather's daughter. So it's his aunt. Oh, I didn't. Get that. Okay, that makes so much more sense to me. Yeah. I was still confused. And I'm a grown-ass adult. And I was like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) Until they get to the bookstore and she calls it out, like, I was like, wait, how is that possible? Also, like, who is his grandpa's wife? We never even see her. But maybe he doesn't have one, but he has a 10-year-old. Yeah. And he's like 100 years old. never even got that. So – anyway, we meet his dad's fiance, and she's, like, very gross and is, like, trying to kiss him on the mouth. Tom Hanks. But we get this very cute montage of Tom taking the kids to the fall festival and all these super cute carnival games. And of course, they end up going to story time at Meg's bookstore while she's reading to all the kids. And he's clearly enamored with her right off the bat, but of course, knows who she is part one and right. is very like aloof about his identity. Watching Tom Hanks with those kids is so heartwarming. Tom Hanks just seems like he's a good dad. <laughs> Even though one of his kids is like a fucking Chet. loser. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like if you named your child Chet, there's it's just like learn to be a dude. Yeah. You know? Maybe it was his joke kid. <laughs> you know, sometimes you raise one kid does a joke. I'm, I'm like thinking which kid is a joke. Yeah, you have kids. <laughs> of mine. <laughs> like, I bet you know. You know. And you don't have probably, to reveal probably it. Probably the one <laughs> The one that's trying to get in my door right now. (laughs) I hear him pounding at it. Oh, my God. So he's being very aloof about his real identity. There is starting to be a growing concern about the little bookshop. They're all kind of worried about it closing. Her employee's like, what if I have to get a new part-time job and move to Brooklyn? And I was like, girl, if you had just a part-time job, you can't afford to live in Brooklyn either <laughs> like today <laughs> imagine if she like was forced to buy a shitty house in brooklyn in 1998 she'd be like a multi multi millionaire in the heart right. of williamsburg bitch pull the plug and then the guy's like yeah well that, i have rent control i have six bedrooms for 450 i was yeah. like what the fuck six rooms for 450 <laughs> and that was supposed Is to be you, a lot you living in a haunted orphanage like <laughs> that makes no sense you know, like there's that's not that the math ain't mathing <laughs> yeah it's not no. mathing at all <laughs> it's just not mathing but anyway needless to say they're all very concerned about uh moving to brooklyn and and the store closing tom and meg end up at the same party together she finds out who he really is and she is not loving him and he kind of like turns into a real dick like a huge i mean or as he describes it later mr nasty that was a weird (laughs) yeah i don't know what that's what i call my husband after hours (laughs) (laughs) i don't but i'm gonna start yeah thanks tom but yeah he's like just being a dick as evidenced by him taking all of the caviar off the side of the plate what a Dick move. What is That's that? That's a little a bit of a sociopath move in my mind. And also, was that just uh, hard-boiled eggs in like a jello mold? Like all the food at this party looks rank. Yeah. Right? But why is caviar a garnish? That shit's expensive. Why right. are you yeah. garnishing exactly. with caviar is what I was thinking. Right. Yeah. Like take that shit, Tom, though, for real. <laughs> Somebody should be eating this caviar. <laughs> yeah. That's a thing, though, because there's all these like really shitty things that he does. And then it's like, was... Was that all an act or is he really that shitty of a person? Because I think he is. So Right. He's got like two personalities. Like because then he on the email, he's like basically talks about how guilty he felt about acting like a dick. But it's like a compulsion. He It's like he can't help himself being a dick to this. And he has no reason to be a dick to her up until this point. Like he's putting her out of business. It just makes no sense. He's just uh, he has his defenses up, I guess, because he's probably doi an insecure male well he thinks everything is charming too like him being a jerk is charming 
Also, their partners are like weirdly very into each other. Yeah, I watching it this time, I had misremembered. I thought that Greg Kinnear ended up with his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, they make it seem like that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Parker Posey is like gushing over him. Yeah, they have to like physically drag them apart. Anyway, Tom feels like a dickhead and he just like asks if they can meet, which I don't know why that is what spurred him yeah. to want to meet. Like, yeah. Like all of a sudden. Yeah. I was just an asshole to you. Now let me show you who I really am. I don't know. But, but he doesn't know it's her yet, right? No, you're right. He doesn't. Good call, Dan. <laughs> Saved by the Dan. Oh, right. Because I'm so right. Saved by the Dan. <laughs> yes. Nice, Jamie. Yes. So, I know. I feel like this is the first time we've had somebody on the pod who's maybe even can one up us in nostalgia references, which is like, wow. oh, 100%. It, it's, it's, yeah. If you're a shoo um, Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yes. so, yeah, now. Yeah. They dislike each other, but they are running into each other all over town, hiding from each other. We are now like heading in to the holiday season. His dad's fiance is like putting her hand on his legs while they're trying to sing Christmas carols. Meg's at her own Christmas party singing a Christmas carol I've literally never heard of. Me neither. Um, I've thought about that ever mean since. Mean either. Mean either. <laughs> Sorry, mean either. I've thought about that stupid song ever since I first watched that song, that this movie, like, the horn it sounds so forlorn what the hell is this song everyone at this party knows it i slightly remember it from the sillyville remember like the sillyville movie they were like a sing it was like a sing-along tape for kids but it's one of those songs where like you all sing a different verse and then you sing it at the same time over each other and it all goes together anyway uh so she's like getting really down about the store and she confides in her pen pal and he's like you gotta fight you got to go to war. You got to like start playing dirty. Got to go, go to the, the mattresses. mattresses. Go to the mattresses. Yeah, we got to quote the Godfather. Um, yeah, his his character is obsessed with the Godfather. And apparently that is something that is true in real life. Tom Hanks is obsessed with the Godfather. So. That makes sense. So she's like, all right, I'm going to go to the mattresses. She has her boyfriend, Frank, write a piece because he is a journalist about how the superstore is threatening the existence of quality bookstores. Suddenly there are protests happening and demonstrations and there is a war at hand. So Frank even goes on a talk show to talk about it and then is like just has a hard on for this host and they're like awkwardly flirting on air. Like if that, why would you then go home and show your girlfriend this interview? Yeah, and be excited about it. Why don't we take a step back? Why is he like, the one on this talk show? And not her. Right? I agree. Why was he the <laughs> one being interviewed? Why not her? They're getting all of this publicity, but the numbers, the sales numbers are not changing. So she is getting really desperate. They finally, they agree to meet up. And Dave Chappelle's like, she could be a real dog, man. Like, you don't know. You know, so of course, on his way, he has him go with him to look at her. I was really hoping Dave Chappelle was not going to let the cat out of the bag. But unfortunately, he does tell him that it is, in fact, Kathleen Kelly, his arch nemesis. And he tells Dave Chappelle that he's going to stand her up. But then, like, once Dave leaves, he actually goes in, doesn't tell her who he really is, and just thus begins a series of him taking full advantage of her. Just complete emotional manipulation for the latter half of this movie. Even Dave Chappelle was like, wait, you're just going to let her stand there all night? That really, really bugged me. Has, haven't you put her through enough? I was screaming. <laughs> and I've seen, this, I've seen this fucking movie. Me too. And I was like getting upset. I had steam coming out yeah. of my ears. Yeah. I was so mad. I was like, you motherfucker. He's honestly a yeah. dick. He's a dick. And so not only does he like stand her up, but he just starts messing with her. And like, again... It would be one thing if the roles were reversed, right? Where she's the one with the big corporation putting right, him out of business right. and he gets the upper hand and he starts fucking with her, right? But he is just shitting on her constantly. And it's not even like, like playful, like, hey, get out of here. She's like, please, I beg of you, leave me alone. And then he just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. He just sits behind her. <laughs> yeah. You creep. Yeah. And just like rubs yeah. it in that this person's not, that she's getting yeah. stood up. Dick. So just like. Worst night ever for her, but she like finally kind of tells him off and is like, the man who's coming tonight is nothing like you. No one will remember you, but they will remember my mother's store. You're just a suit. And of course, he gets his little feelings hurt. <laughs> Pee-pee soft. It's such a like, if you look at all of the different things that were said, or the thing that she said was like the fifth or sixth meanest thing. Everything else was so much meaner from his side. Yeah. You can yeah. dish it, but you can't take it. Yeah, you can't take it. Typical male. Of yeah, course he can't. Right. 
So they're, you know, she's sad. She's gotten stood up. And in the bookstore the next day, they're like trying to reason why she got stood up. And they decide that it's clearly the rooftop killer who was nabbed two blocks from the cafe. So he was in jail. (laughs) And I mean, clearly that's bullshit. But that is a sign of true friendship right there. (laughs) They're like, you're so lucky you got stood up. You're perfect. He's just a murderer. The one thing that confused me so much about this scene was they kept saying like, maybe he got stuck underground and didn't have a phone. And they keep saying, like, maybe this is how they didn't have a phone. What would having a phone do? He doesn't have her number. Yeah, it's right. not like he knows her number. And back then, there yeah. yeah, there was no internet on the phone. I guess he could have called the place. Sure. Yeah, yeah he would have that. Yeah, I guess the that makes sense. and called the coffee shop and been like, is there a girl named Shop Girl? Because I don't know her name or what <laughs> yeah. she looks like. With a rose and a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there a girl that looks like she could be Shop Girl in here? <laughs> oh, and yeah. She, so she's right over the there. Truth. Is she a dog or yeah. is she hot? Let, yeah. let a brother know. <laughs> so, of course, she writes him an email detailing how she waited. For, honestly, she's much nicer yeah. than I would have been, but how she waited for him, how someone else showed up, and she was cruel, and how she feels terrible about it, and asked why he never showed. And she also has that part. That this is one of my favorite lines. It's like, I just want to say that all this nothing has meant more to me than so many somethings. I was like, that's some good writing right there. It made me want to um, message my internet boyfriend that I don't have. <laughs> made you want to hop in a chat room? Yeah. And find one. <laughs> yeah, I hope my internet girlfriend is okay. I haven't talked to her in like, 20 years (laughs) oh yeah i did have one back in 98 i definitely would like go to my friend's house whose sister had a computer and we her older sister and we would go into chat rooms and be like oh yeah "Yeah, i'm jessica i'm 21 and i have big boobs and then just like get molested (laughs) and then i would leave and be like oh my god i'm in so much trouble my mom is gonna (laughs) totally find out oh yeah we got we would fuck shit up in chat rooms me and my best friend (laughs) we we would like go in like the random ones and we would have on all all caps because that's where that (laughs) bullshit started and we would just type some shit and then we would we go jump and we'd like jump to another oh man matter of fact i got lucky and I got kicked off of AOL for cussing too much. So I got to <laughs> <laughs> so I got to change my AIM name. Oh we got kicked get off. Out of jail and free. I, we couldn't get on wow. back on at all. You're the hardest guest we've had that you yeah. were kind of hardcore AOL. So what did then you what did you change your screen name to after that? Um it was Chicken of the better, Sea. But <laughs> it's not tuna. So it was it was, <laughs> it was Star Storm 8. Star Storm. Okay, that sounds like an anime. Yeah, I sound like a porn star, but that's okay. It it was tuna and then a porn star. Love it. Okay, so Tom Hanks is like definitely very conflicted about what to do. And first he sits down and just lies and lies and lies. Then he decides to just simply apologize without going into much detail. Meg decides, decides to close the store and fucking Frank breaks up with her. Like this dude. But honestly, it's like one of those classic things that happen in a movie where he's like, I don't love you. And she's like, I don't love you. Let's laugh about it. Where I was like, is that realistic? I don't know. I wish. I wish that happened in any of my friends. Right. right. Like even when you know. I hate you too. Even when you know it's not the right thing, you're still fucking sad. And you still like romanticize that person. Yeah. But like, yeah, they're just like, lovely. Well, it was nice knowing you. And then she's like, oh, what about you and that reporter? Right. I'm like, wait, skirt. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe she's like, oh, best case scenario, I've been literally cyber cheating on you for months. Yeah, she's totally That's like what every person dreams of when they're cheating on someone. They're like, oh, just break up with me. Right. I guess that, yeah, that it worked out really well for her because she didn't have to do that. But she's also going through like the toughest week of her whole life. She was talking about shutting the store down and she was like, it was like my mother died all over again. Yeah. And this is the week and you're going to break Frank up with And then Frank breaks her? up with you? Yeah, brutal timing. She didn't vote, by the way. She did not vote. She didn't vote. Which honestly, I mean, she basically, <laughs> it's almost like she, I mean, she clearly did want him to break up with her because oh, she sure. literally is like, he's like, I could never be with somebody who doesn't care about politics. And she's like, I didn't vote. He's like, great, we're done. <laughs> like, why didn't you just break up with him? You clearly wanted to yeah. break up with him. But... She provoked him. He's like, I forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of like, the timing of all of this we see the time passing because we know it's like we're going through the holidays but there's like a little easter egg in the movie where at the beginning there's a florist who's pregnant 
And as the movie goes on, like you see little things like through this background character where like then you see like a sign on the floor shop that's like it's a girl which like now I want to go back and look for but that's fun oh cool they're closing down the store it's so tragic she goes into the fox bookstore to look around and sees like all the children in the children's section it's lovely there it's like it's like a community center really like you can't be mad at it it's wonderful there it's so warm I bet yeah. it smells like fresh break bread and not cheese. A hundred percent. I don't even think there's an undertone of cheese in there. It's all no. croissant. It's all croissant. Yeah. And muffins. And espressos. And espressos. And yeah. yeah. And they're like, yeah, you fucking trash people with your discount books and your fancy coffee. It's like, that sounds great. Honestly. Yeah, it, it does. sounds lovely. Yeah. It sounds lovely. Yeah. And by the way, did you notice that Tom Hanks says a cup of Starbucks is two ninety five? I wrote that I in my notes. Oh, I was shit. like, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> damn. Yeah. It's weird because like, wouldn't you think that Kathleen a uh, Meg would be against Starbucks because it's like a little version of what she's going through. Yeah, like, shouldn't exactly. she be? It's basically yeah. shocks. She be going the coffee shop on the co- corner. Yeah. The yes, the coffee, coffee shop, shop on the corner, corner. with yeah. the antiques and coffee. Why are you going to fucking Starbucks every day, Meg? Also, you Hypocrite. have a tiny bookshop. You're paying four employees, well, three employees, and you're able to afford. Starbucks every day? Right. A sick apartment and Starbucks every day. Oh, a sick-ass apartment. (laughs) An amazing apartment. Also, I'm not like a business expert, but why do you not have five people work at a A a shop that- At one time. Yeah, that's literally (laughs) 300 square feet. Right. Like, I don't feel like it's vital. (laughs) You're like, why is the store going under? (laughs) It's like- We're paying Birdie $80,000 a year. Meanwhile, (laughs) this woman, we find out later, she's fucking rich as shit. She doesn't need to work. She didn't- Exactly. She's siphoning money as she's doing all their finances. (laughs) Yes, on like MS DOS. No one of the stores going under, and she's rich. She's been stealing money from the store for years, sucking it dry. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. Yeah, but I mean, God, it is. It is just. I think what's sad about it too is that she sees like that the Fox bookstore. Like, it isn't a bad thing. That's the worst part. Kind of sweet, but like, I guess the one thing is like it's just not as personal. Like, she's sitting down and a mom is asking a store employee for a certain book, and the employee doesn't know shit about books, and she just like she knows everything. She gives them the author, the series, and she's like crying, and Tom Hanks is just watching her cry in his store. And again, fucked up, man. Does nothing about it like i was waiting the whole time i was waiting this whole movie for him to be like you know what we're gonna be in partnership with little shop around the little store around the corner we're gonna do something or we're gonna make you our head of children's books or we're gonna do something besides i'll make it better by just handing you my dick like not (laughs) yeah okay and even if he like i don't think she would have done it because the point was it was her mom's store and like it wasn't that right. she just needs a job, but yeah, it would have I mean, been a nice shit. thing to extend that olive branch. His ex did. Yeah, do something for this woman. Yeah, right. Yes, he was like, I want to make her, yeah. an, I want to make her an editor, and he was, and he was like, No, don't. Why would you do that? Like, why are you giving her taking away another opportunity to make a livelihood? He what really has it out for her because first of all, that sounds like a great idea. I, uh, from what I understand, Absolutely. she would be a great children's book editor. I it baffles me, and maybe it's again. He's all ego, and it's like, well, I don't, I can't be with a successful woman. It obviously didn't work out with <laughs> yeah, Parker Posey. Yeah, it didn't Posey. work out with Parker. Yeah, she was That's always right. rushing to meetings, yeah. <laughs> drinking her tiny espressos. <laughs> right, hit the button, hit the button, go back out, hurry. Yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, uh, right after Tom Hanks is like, literally right after he's like, no, why would you give her a job? He and Parker Posey get stuck in the elevator of their building and like for a while. So everyone in there, it's like the the man who runs the elevator and another tenant in the building. And they're having those kind of moments, much like the, <laughs> the airplane scene on Almost Famous where they all start like admitting shit about themselves. They're like, if I ever get out of here, I'm blank. And so one guy's like, I'm going to marry the girl I'm seeing. Like, I love her. And the other woman's like, I'm going to call my mom more. And Patricia's like, she just fucking sucks. She's like, if I ever get out of here, I'm getting my eyes lasered. And then he, <laughs> and I kind of love that he's like, well, if I ever get out of here. And she's like, where are my fucking TikToks? <laughs> and like, he immediately moves out. <laughs> 
Yeah, him and Brinkley just walked down to their gigantic yacht that's right next to his their dad's gigantic boat. yacht. God, yeah. So he's living on the houseboat. She closes the store for the last time. And this ripped my heart out. Yeah, but like I wanted her to cry because I, <laughs> I was like crying. And I'm like, why are you not crying? And she fucking cries at the end when it turns out he's her online boyfriend. Exactly. But she's seeing like the ghost of her mother. Not a drip. Not oh. a ding. Oh. Nothing. She's, but it is fucking. I mean, at that point, she's probably so fucking emotionally exhausted over this and like the customers are coming and crying as she's closing the mm-hmm. store being like your mother was amazing it's just heart-wrenching and again i'm waiting for things to turn around i'm like well don't give away those keys just yet meg because i know something good's gonna happen right. oh poor jazz you just we're gonna yeah we're gonna turn it into a cheese shop yes yep. does anyone have any old lamps they could, uh... <laughs> like this cheese is missing something. <laughs> it's not dusty enough. Yes. Old vases. Spectacles yeah. from the 1900s. Anyway. Yeah, th- this um... brie would be great with asbestos. If, if, do you have any asbestos? <laughs> so anyway, Tom's dad ends up breaking off his engagement because his gross fiance runs off with the nanny. Which I was not expecting. I was not expecting no some lesbo vibes. Yeah, I was, no hints of that. No, she's scamming on Tom the whole time. I, I, but I dig it. Me Good too. Oh, I was very. That, that was like the one point where I was like, finally, something fucking female empowered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm right. Like fuck yeah. Yeah, so of course he's got an even bigger yacht that's now tied up to Tom's yacht and they're just like being bachelors together and he's listening to his dad talk about his past with women and he kind of realizes like he does not want to live that way. So he shows up to Meg's house with flowers. She's been down with a cold and he's like making her tea and is like, I want to be your friend. She's at like peak Meg Ryan cuteness here, like her little like sneezes and stuff. This scene, manic pixie dream. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Like her floating around when she's sick, floating around trying to pick up her little trench coat, trying to pick up her tissues. So cute, stuffing them in her robe pocket. Yes, so cute. She confides in him about her online friend, and now he is just full on manipulating her, like talking shit on himself. He's tweaking the project, fucking project, aka. God, just really playing with this woman. Like she is a puppet. This whole film. And they're like hanging out more and going on dates. But he's like talking to her about himself and being like, oh, this guy's probably a weirdo and, you know, all this stuff. And then he'll like write to her and like he'll be like, he's married. And then he'll write to her and be like, I'm not married. And it's just the weirdest fuck. Like, who does this? This is psycho. This is he's a psychopath. Well, I wanted to ask both of you, what do you think his game is here? Because I I think I understand it, but I'm not. 100% sure I know why he's doing the things that he's doing. My hunch is that he's hoping that he can win her over in real life enough so that she'll give up her pen pal. Okay, that's what I was was guessing. So my thought was that he wants to get her to like him so that when he reveals himself, she she doesn't doesn't fucking hate him. Yeah. (laughs) Like we all did this Really good call. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, good call. But it's not like he's, he could do that without disparaging his online self, right? Like he's, he's actively throwing himself under the bus. Well, he knows that his real life self is a piece of shit. So if he can like lower the bar on his <laughs> online self, right, a little right, bit, right. You know, like he looks less bad, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, he's just testing her. And so like he basically agreed, like from his online persona, sets a meetup with her right after he's hanging out with her IRL and he gives her this whole speech about how if he wasn't Fox Books and she wasn't Little Shop around the corner maybe they would be together fighting over which movie to rent on a Saturday night and and in that moment I really feel like he's basically telling her like don't meet up with this guy like stay with me yeah but she does leave him she's conflicted yeah. clearly conflicted but she does leave him to go meet up with her pen pal i love the scenes of them getting to be friends and just like going and buying vegetables and stuff like that it's so cute he's being nice to her yeah but it's just like <laughs> Finally, it's what yeah. we want so bad like of course you're wanting it the whole time yeah. for them to just be together so she shows up to this garden where he told her to meet and of course like his dog runs out and Frankly. 
he it's him and she's all crinkly crinkly faced and crying and he's like don't cry shop girl don't cry she's got an ugly cry but it's that cry is it is cute but it's like i have an ugly cry so i appreciate her i can't even do it it's it's like oh yeah she can't even do that with her face anymore yes no no yeah because girl has gotten a little she might have had some work now i'm like that's probably why you got your work done because you were doing a lot of face crinkling Mm -hmm. and uh she's just like i was really hoping for them to for there to be some kind of like you lied to me like how could you but no she just says i wanted to do you so badly and i just wrote what yeah (laughs) in all caps He's still a douchebag who put you out of business. She doesn't get a happy ending. All she gets is the man who fucked her over yep. and he gets off scot-free. 100%. Absolutely. Is he just like, it's all better yeah. now. I'll fund your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm I guess rich, for, bitch. for women in 2022, I mean, there are a lot of women in 2022 that would be like, fucking great. I was tired of working. <laughs> I'm so tired, Tom. Hold me. You think like five minutes later after they're done kissing, she's yeah. like, wait, why didn't you buy that store? That was my mom's and now it's somebody else's. At what point did you know it was me? And like, how? so you knew it was me and you liked me, but you were still fucking me over. Yeah, you motherfucker. Because you can see it going on in her head as she's watching him. She's like, there's like a lot of stuff going on where she's realizing all. I can't imagine how long that goes on for where she has to reread all the emails and be like, Okay, wait, holy shit, this is really weird that you were the same person. And then, of course, like, you know, they pan up, they're kissing, they pan up to the sky, and I'm like, great. Then they're going to fade into, like, three months from now, where, like, her store's <laughs> back open, and they fucking no. don't. Don't. Yeah. No. I'd be lying <laughs> I just was like, if I why? said I didn't I didn't get the, the shivers, though, watching that, and I was like, oh, man. It's such a conflicting movie. Like, they make you like it so much, even though fundamentally it sucks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I fucking cried. And I was like, you baby back bitch. Put those tears back in those eyes. But I did. I fucking cried. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I fucking hate you still. But I still cried. So. Right. But I mean, like, you know, when have we not let, like, the hot, successful men in our lives get away with way too much shit? Seriously. Like, right, Dan? Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that come, that is the end, unfortunately, of the movie. Okay. Well, I give this movie seven out of ten indie bookstores out of business. Final thoughts? Any parting thoughts about it? All in all, like it holds up um, watching it later, but still a lot of cringe factor. I definitely, when I watched this when I was a teenager, did not see how problematic it was. That's like should be the title of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, and now that I'm like a married woman, I would fucking lose it if I found that my husband was yeah talking to someone. Because even though it was like anonymous it's still very intimate super intimate uh, yeah that would not sit well with me so all in all good movie i like i said i fucking cry <laughs> but damn yeah new eyes i know how problematic this movie is i just can't help but really love this movie i mean the writing is so beautiful and smart and i i can't really think of a movie at least from this time period that i like the dialogue and narration as much as i like this one it's really really pretty and well written um it makes you want to live in new york in the fall it's so romantic in that way it makes you want to talk and think like meg ryan it reminds me you know of all the you know small bookstores in my town and the romantic like power of literature and the place it plays in everyone's lives and i'm just going to give this movie eight and a half out of ten daisies because they're the friendliest flower good one dan (laughs) that was a good one break my heart yeah yeah like (laughs) okay i here we go (laughs) (laughs) like i i mean i it's i feel the same way like it's you know and i don't and i don't even have the nostalgia factor with this movie but i still i think i was able because i didn't know the ending i was able to like it so much and then when the ending really pissed me off i was like but it's too late because i already liked it the whole time and I just was really waiting for something better to happen. But it's like the same way that like Gilmore Girls is like super nostalgic. 
to all of us who like grew up on it, but then now we go back and we're like, oh, this is also very problematic. But like, it, we still watch it every fucking fall because it makes us feel yummy. It's just like what it is. Um, so I'm really glad that I've now seen this movie and I would watch it again. I would watch it again. I would watch it again next fall. <laughs> but I am pissed. I'm still pissed. It's like, yeah, it's like being pissed at the guy you have a crush on. You're like, I should be madder, you dick. Uh, which I guess is, is really exactly what Meg Ryan was feeling at the end of this movie. I give this movie eight child aunts. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that coming. No, I didn't either. I just thought of it right now. Um, This was such a freaking blast. Jamie, thank you for coming on. You are officially a forever member of the Millennial Movie Club. We will definitely be having you back. Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless in Seattle. It's happening. Please tell the audience if there are any, any plugs, anything you want to tell the audience where they should find you, what you're up to, let them know. Sure. Yeah. So I have Millennial Misery. Um, you can find me Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and then Humorous Resources, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Oh, and Twitter. And then I actually um, started another page here recently, and it's called Horrendous HR. And it's oh where um, it's where people can anonymously submit their terrible HR stories. And so I read them. and What and, a great idea. And I add my little witty, you know, like one-offs. Of course. Like there was this one about um, a woman getting unsolicited D-pics, and I like – I was going ham on it because I was like, what? Oh I, want, I want to see him. Do I want to see him? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> this is the this is the account. I mean, all of your accounts are the accounts that we've always needed. But wow, you've outdone yourself with this new pet project. What a great idea. But you have not lived until you followed all of Jamie's accounts. And I don't just say that because I make appearances once in a while. It is so, okay? Those accounts are so goddamn funny. <laughs> Thank you for coming on and just having this has been such a blast. Thank you everybody for listening. Please go follow Jamie. Please follow us. You know that now since we're collabing with Jamie on this episode, there will be some fire content about this episode. Uh, go stream Plant Daddy wherever you listen to music and leave us a review. Let us know what movies you'd like to hear us talk about. I can't wait for Sleeps in Seattle. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Movie Club. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and write us a glowing review. We are millennials. We kind of need the validation. For even more goodies, be sure to follow Millennial Movie Club on TikTok and Instagram. Later, Later days. days.